but I think the reason why it hasn't been released so far by Harry put off and uh, the handful of people that had it was that it does mention that every facet of human society and it details which ones you know financial banks military science religion and again this is all from Pat Price he details all those levels of human society that have been infiltrated by non-humans and that they've been working on a plan to set us against each other at every level of society so that we're so invested in looking at that that we're not looking at what they're doing to us. Welcome back. I'm here again with Edward Reardon and Daz Smith. And conveniently, you're in the second spot now, Edward. Uh, Daz was in in the last episode, so we got fairness. We got fairness. Yeah, yeah. Well, whatever, whatever, whatever seat it was. Okay, so today this is going to be a little bit more of a wide ranging discussion. It's going to be about pieces of what's going on currently in Congress right now. Not focused on Congress, but there's a huge effort at disclosure about their allegations that Grush has suggested that the United States military DOD and certain contractors of the DOD like Lockheed Martin likely, I don't think he specifically identified Lockheed Martin, but I am have recovered uh, craft from non-human intelligences. So I think recently both of you have done, and I know this is absolutely Edward's favorite topic. Like he just like wakes up in the morning. And it's just like, I want to look for demons today. And I want to look for angels. And I want to look for the Fae tomorrow. Like he loves esoteric targets. They're just is absolute. I'm just obviously being completely sarcastic. So we're going to try to keep this tethered in as much of the known reality as we possibly can. And because we don't like at the end of the day, we really don't know. We don't know if these things exist. They seem to exist based on, uh, you know, Mikey Kneepads Turner and his love of Lockheed Martin and, you know, fighting against eminent domain in regard to a project that supposedly doesn't exist. So, you know, with that, I mean, to me, that's, that's about a, the, all the confirmation I need. Why waste your energy on defeating a bill that, requires you to disclose something that doesn't exist, right? But Mikey Neepat's Turner is not really that much of a talented individual. And again, look, I'm not, folks know this podcast, I don't talk about it very often, but I'm a little bit right of center. So if I'm talking bad about someone like that, then they probably are bad. Anyway, with that, uh, you know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't talk, I try not to talk about that sort of stuff, but I just... I, 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 I despise that guy so much because he's so unremarkable in so many ways to the point that he's like the perfect, perfect stooge, right? He just like will do anything you tell him. Let's just like coin operated congressman. Anyway, <laughs> with that, <laughs> I, I, I kind of like that though. Coin operated congressman. That's a good, that's a good term. We should. Anyway, I'm sorry. you have to write that, write that one down, Sean. Well, you forget it. Well, yeah, you got yeah, it. Yeah. It's recorded. Yeah, it's recorded. It's out there, and I'm not editing it. I stand by that. Because he is. He's coin-operated. Anyway, the UAP topic. I know that both of you have done some recent targets. Have any of you done anything related to disclosure, post-disclosure? I think, Daz, you may have, but correct me if I'm wrong, and to the extent that you can talk about it. What are some of the recent things that you've done? And then we can talk about the Bob Lazar stuff after that, because yeah. I think we can go into that a lot. I mean, personally, I've done uh, quite a lot because, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, unlike Edward, it's an area of interest for me. You know, I run a group called Hellfire Group, and it's some of the most talented kind of viewers I can find on the internet that I curated into a group to specifically look at mysteries type targets so we've done some not exactly disclosure but you know it's on the same level like we looked at some of the corso roswell data and bits that he said he had some of the chips we also looked mm -hmm. at whitney streber's alleged alien implant in his head that kind of thing so we've done several like that and i've also done a couple paid for projects 
for Tom Delonge, you know, who was one of the people that kind of kicked off this disclosure thing with the Shoot for the Stars kind of program in the early days. So, yeah. So was that for Tom DeLong or was it for Tom DeLong in concert with To the Stars Academy? When the United States and China clash, the world will never be the same, especially when forces beyond reality threaten to intervene. What if the United States went to war with the People's Republic of China? How would these rivals fight for supremacy on land, sea, air, and across the stochastic streams of time? What wonder weapons would be unleashed? What horrors would emerge from the irradiated sludge of the South China Sea? What heroes would rise and forever change the course of history? Tread into the deepest and darkest dimensions of the multiverse, gaze through a kaleidoscope of fractured realities, and bear witness to the disturbing visions of World War III from today's greatest minds in science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Weird World War, China. Available now from Bain Books at Bain.com. I think both of them were for Tom, although I do know that he shared all the data with everyone else that was involved. Okay, so to be clear, Tom DeLong contracted you. It wasn't yes, the stars. Yes, yes. One of them, one, I've yeah. done two for Tom now. One project was free using a team of viewers to look at something mm-hmm. personal for him. The other project was a paid-for project, which I organized and then participated in as a viewer with, I think, something like 12 other remote viewers who were all paid to look at a future UAP style target in regards to Tom and his associates. And what did you find to the extent that you can talk about? If you can't talk about it, I will move on. I probably can't go into details, but I can overview and say that, you know, I was partially informed because I didn't know what the target was, but I knew who the client was. Mm. So my data, you know, slightly compromised, I would say, but the other 10 or 11 remote viewers. In, in the had, sense that you, you knew there was a high likelihood it would be an esoteric target. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but the other 10 or 11 didn't have any idea whatsoever who the client was or the topic, but all data, including myself and all the other viewers all describe a future event, which involved a UAP and non-human uh, intelligence uh, communication scenario. And all the descriptions, including mine, were of a very similar non-human intelligence, which is, you know, pretty typical what you usually see described, which is like a a small, skinny, gray, big-eyed type being scenario. Uh, Well, okay, I'm going to ask you a few questions. I'm going to try to touch just on the surface. And again, if you can't answer, I'm not pushing. Was it kind of more of an organization meeting them? like privately or was it something broader and had more of a public feel the meeting oh that's a good question like on my other rv it's probably lost in my memory somewhere i'd have to go back through and reread the report from because you know there is there on that one there is a big report a big multi-page report from all the remote viewers where all the data because it was project managed that one the project manager did take all the sketches or the word data put it all Mm -hmm. together how it all intersected so I'd have to go back through and look at that. But my feeling to answer that question is that it was more of a private type event, not a massive, you know, public in front of hundreds of cameras type event. And then did you have a sense of public versus private? Was this event something that the public may have known about or was it just everything was kind of secret? I can't remember. I'd have to go yeah, through the data on that. I mean, all I, I mean, I can de- detail my data a bit more. My data went more into the description of mental and physical of the non-humans, how they worked, how they worked the craft, how that worked, you know, which was on a symbiosis type basis. Uh, the craft and the mm-hmm. non-human were actually conjoined in a way that moved the craft. And, you know, I, I think most of us went into the description of the, cause you know, we're drawn to certain things. So instead of mm-hmm. our, the event itself, we're more drawn to, Oh, look at this shiny kind of thing over here. And we were all mainly describing the look and the makeup and the movement of this craft like structure more than the, how many people are at this scenario. And, you know, are, are you, are you allowed to share anything about that sort of thing? Like the symbiosis, the, how the NHIs work, or is that, am I pushing too far? 
I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's stuff that's in the, uh, most of it's in the annuals of UAP kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Anywhere. It's like, yeah, there, like the know. craft, the craft is kind of like a living potentially. Yes. Oh, entity. absolutely. And yeah. we, you know, it's not just in this one case, but in all the cases I've looked at, it feels like the craft is not how we treat cars and physical kind of vehicles we create. It literally does have a consciousness to it, whether that's AI created or something else, I don't mm -hmm. know. And the key, literally the key component in the entire thing is the symbiotic relationship between the, I want to call it a driver, but driver is not the right word. Um, the occupant. Pilot. The occupant, yeah. There's a partnership that goes on, which is very intimate. And it is at the level, it, and I have to say this, it's probably at the level of what we do with remote viewing, but slightly different than remote viewing in that it's more mental than it is physical. But yeah, there with is the, uh, very living, you know, the craft, I would say they are alive as such. To advertise on Through Glass Darkly, email thrillglassdarkly ads at gmail.com. What about the occupant? Do you get the sense it was artificial intelligence or an actual organic being? It felt like I guess it could be organic, but yeah, no, it was. I mean, it organic. could still be organic, but also artificial intelligence, like a yes, like a vat created in a vat, sort of. Good thing, question. Right? I would probably have to go back and read all the data on it. I, I do remember, you know, describing the uh, the fingers, how they worked, the fingertips, and, and stuff like that in detail. The skin of the cloves, you know, which was like two microns thick. And the, the skin was also conscious and alive as well. So the skin was like a living entity. Not the skin, sorry, the uh, skin suit. suit. Well, yeah, but it literally just two or three microns, you know, so it almost looked like it wasn't there, but it, it, it was. But that had an alive-like consciousness as well to it, which, again, moved and worked symbiotically with the life that was wearing it. So what it about was the eyes? seasonals like that. I, I can't remember the eyes. I do remember that all the viewers uh, described and sketched and, and gave details of, you know, dark eyes with coverings and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll stop pushing you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to tell you general details and because, right, you know, obviously right. when someone pays for something, then they own that. Exactly. Uh, but a lot of the information's out there. In lots 100%. of other remote viewings that we've done and in the common knowledge of th this type of stuff anyway. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on to the Bob Lazar remote viewing that you guys did. Edward, do you want to just tee us up on that project? Because it got, uh, you know, I think as we were talking about beforehand, it got overshadowed by the luminosity event that we just discussed. It really, yeah, it really did. It was just a target like any other target that came to us a viewer i didn't know Daz was the tasker I, I didn't know anything about you know we're blind 100 percent. so i go into the session and i really love the session i had a great mm -hmm. time with this session it was great it was a great experience and i was in a dusty location in the desert it was a military base there were people in the military base. They were looking at technology, trying to decipher it. I think I even used the words that they're trying to decipher some type of thing. There was a craft of some kind that was hovering over the facility, and it was a transport. I called it a transport vehicle. That didn't, you know, then that was it. it was, you know, there was, I kept it very practical. I didn't want to indulge in anything. Just what right. am I, just describe just what the I'm facts. perceiving. There's a craft hovering over there. It's a transport of some sort. And it's over a military base in the desert. And When you say transport of some sort, what do you mean by that? Like a conventional truck? They're literally move, moving stuff from one location to another location. Yeah, the UFO. The UFO. The, the, well, I'll, I'll say the tr the transport craft that's hovering above the okay the military okay. base, and they're loading stuff in there, and it's being moved to another place. And I and I loved the session; it was great. I was totally enthralled by the whole experience of the session. So when the feedback came, we do the debrief, and the target was Bob Lazar. 
Mm -hmm. uh, it gave, in my mind, it gave Bob Lazar a lot more credibility for me personally, th that he was not lying about the military base in the desert and these things. All the rest of it, I can't tell you because I didn't perceive it and I wasn't there. So I don't know about all the rest of it, but what I can be confident about per my remote viewing is this is a military base. They're looking at, I call it exotic technologies. They're trying to decipher them. There's some type of transport vehicle that can hover above the ground. And that was in my session. Per the feedback of what the target actually was, I could say, okay, there's some, some validity to this story. And that's it. I can't go anywhere beyond that. I can only tell you what was in my session. That was in my session. You know, so I feel good about that. Daz, what did some of the other viewers report during that tasking? Can I share some e extra context on all this? Uh, like, I got some slides. Can I share some slides with you? Yeah, 100%. Go ahead. Bear with me a sec then. Yeah, let me just, there we go. Okay, so this is the target. There's our target number. So that's all the guys had was the G7N3L2H8. They were all blind to the target. But this was slightly different because this was what we call an ARV project. So it was a binary target. It had two outcomes. One outcome was Bob Lazar, and the other outcome was if it isn't true, you will remote view something else instead. Now, I was trying to see if they remote viewed the B target, then I would know that you know Bob Lazar was lying and these events didn't happen. So if the real target would happen, they would describe the real event. But if it didn't happen, they would describe my B target. My B target was this Buddha statue that resides in my garden. None of the viewers described anything whatsoever about this Buddha target in my background. They all described, you know, what we would typically say when you would be the Bob Lazar event. Oh, wow. uh, and it, the target was Robert Lazar. And I actually did it in the dates. You know, I knew that he specifically said he worked uh, at area 51. And this is just some, you know, data here. I told him that they would ignore any myth, story, social construction, or non-factual events and will only describe the real actual events if they occurred. And if no events occurred, then the remote viewer will describe the Buddha statue in my back garden. And they totally ignored the Buddha statue. So that kind of indicates to me that these events did occur. And, you know, I think you all know about the history of Area 51 and all that kind of stuff here in the slides. Interestingly, here's some pictures here that, you know, people came are the kind of things that, are, that have seen at Area 51. And I'm going to stop sharing here. But the guys did an amazing job. And what blew me away from the beginning was they came back with their RV sessions. Because bear in mind, I didn't work this as a viewer. I worked this as a tasker. And this happens rarely within us. Mm -hmm. And they didn't know I was a tasker on this. So I see our system with the sessions coming in. And I'm looking at the sessions coming in. And it just blows me away because everyone's drawing these huge big doors in a desert scenario and i'm like thinking holy shit they are really getting this i can't believe they're getting the same data as what had been reported and all four viewers described an underground facility in the middle of a desert location mm -hmm. lots of military action moving stuff from one location to another which may have happened you know they may have even moved out of where lazar had it because you know he did whistleblow this and, and so right. that, was, that was a compromise but they also all described all four of them. No, actually five, because we even had a friend of mine, a colleague who works with me called Dimmy, work it as a target as well, as an outside viewer. So we had five other viewers work it. And they all described non-human technology that was hovering in great depth. And, you know, I just wanted to bear in mind with the people you know, that are listening to this as well, doing UAP targets like this actually within future forecasting is a pretty rare event. In five years, I think we've only done three two or three and i've only done set two of them as targets blindly one was because you can't get really because you can't really get feedback on like this case you sort of kind of can a little bit I, and that's why right. i picked this one and i picked the previous one the skinwalker ranch one because it had an element of data that we kind of felt that was real and there is some data you know because we know that lazar's name's in the telephone book and all this kind of stuff so we do have and we know that you know area 51 obviously does exist like he said it did. 
So we did have some real data to feedback upon. And the guys came back with great stuff. And not only that, like a week or two after we did this project, we then had Grush come out and say, you know, all the data that you had a bit, yeah, okay, you know, I know they're looking at this stuff at secret facilities. We know that they have an alien uh, recovery program. So that only mm-hmm. validated it, the Bob Lazar story, that much more. But the data they came out with was astounding data that absolutely confirms the Bob Lazar story. And in fact, we did the whole presentation with Richard. Oh, can you remember his name, Richard? Richard Nolan. Richard Nolan, I think. Nolan? Yeah. Is it? Nolan. Dolan. Richard Nolan. Dolan. Oh, Richard Dolan. Yeah. yeah, yeah Richard yeah, yeah. Dolan. Okay. Yeah. He yeah. was because he knew about the target and he actually sat in on the debrief with these guys where they go for their stuff and where I first say to him, okay, this is what the target was. So he saw their reactions and stuff. And when he saw the Bob Lazar data as well, we have him on camera within our RV debrief, just blown away saying, how are you guys getting so much detailed information? He, he just didn't understand how well the RV data actually really described the UAP and, and the underground facilities in, in great detail. And to be clear, your remote viewing session confirmed that there was something going on at that time in, yeah. in S4. Yes. Not necessarily that Bob Lazar is who he says he was. Like, that's a whole other separate thing. Yes. Right. Yes. But it does seem, yeah, it seems to be, you know, the stuff that he said happened at that time zone with him in that mm-hmm. location. That's what remote viewing data seems to indicate did actually happen there. We can't obviously confirm it 100% at this stage, but. I think it does add that little bit more weight to his story. And of course, now that Grush has come out and we got all these whistleblowers coming out and they're all saying the same thing, I think we're adding even more weight to the Bob Lazar story with this as well. Yeah, I have like a half-baked theory about Bob Lazar that I don't necessarily push or believe, but I think it's a possibility. So he was encouraged to come out and say this stuff by this guy named John Lear. John Lear had a long storied career, I think, in the CIA. So I think there's a possibility, I'm not saying this is what it is, that because people who've dug on Bob Lazar will discredit him because you know they say you know, they can't find his degrees or records of his degrees. He can't really name people that he studied with, things like that. So one potential narrative again i have no lending no weight to this is that he did work at one of these national labs i think he was like a janitor somewhere and john lear may have used him to disclose not disclose to leak this story because either he wanted it to get out or he wanted to muddy the waters because mm-hmm. the issue with bob lazar is to say he's a colorful character yeah. Right. He was like running like a prostitution, right? Like just like weird stuff like that. Now I'm not saying, I'm not saying like he could very well, he seems like a really intelligent yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. He could really know the physics. They could have, you know, the DOD may have gone into these universities and scrubbed his records. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying it's a potential Karen narrative, but the reason I'm bringing this up is regardless of his background, his motivations, you focused on the what and on the facility of what was happening yeah. at the facility, right? Yeah. So you focused on his claims, not on the individual. So I want to make it yes. very clear that yes. that was the case. And if it wasn't true, the remote viewers would describe the target, which was in my back garden. If, which is if the cool. claims he made about craft were not true, you didn't yes. investigate the claims about himself, about his no, background. No. But you know, I've heard all that stuff as well, and I have a mixed schizophrenic feeling about Bob. I think that some of his yeah, stuff I do is, too. <laughs> I, I like the fact, you know, because I saw it from the early days that he knew where the test flights were going, and, you know, they did video mm-hmm. test flights, and he did discuss this secret facility way before anyone else kind of really did in popular culture. So I think that's a bonus in his favor. But, you know, not being able to track well, his... Discussed, yeah, like the, the fact that the facility existed when, the, when there was no... There's nothing yes. out there that existed before he talked about yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they did film something flying in the sky which moved like nothing else could, you know, way back before anyone else knew about this kind of stuff. 
his education record is worrying that it can't be tracked down. But, you know, there are other bits like the fact that he is mentioned in the Los Alamos telephone book. And, you know, you don't do that to like a janitor. You know, you don't put the janitor's telephone number in the telephone book and stuff. Do you know what I mean? So he right. had some kind of use there, some prominence. It's all very interesting. And I think, uh, personally, I think that it's only more bolstered by what David Grush and all the others are now coming out with, which is, it's not fully validating Lazar, but it, I think it's helping his case. Look, the only, if I wanted to debunk Grush, right, and I don't because I believe him, but if I wanted to debunk Grush, or if you wanted to debunk Grush, you would have to believe, you know, what would the motivation be to have this extensive history about the United States having these craft and things like that? And the only way that sort of a story would benefit the U.S. government would be if you wanted to scare China, right? So if you wanted to have this big, elaborate, strategic deception that we had these wonder weapons, right? Yeah. But the level and extent and expense of carrying on a strategic deception like that are mind-bogglingly staggering, right? It doesn't make any sense. Look, it's possible, yeah. but not probable is kind of what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. I think it's more likely that, yes, indeed, we do have these things. Yeah, We've recovered them over the years. In fact, I think I saw something, again, take it with a grain of salt, that one of the craft that was recovered was recovered after there was one craft shot down another craft. Mm. Again, it could be complete science fiction. I have no idea, but that's, that would make sense. There, that raises yeah. even more questions. Well, it does, and that would make sense. And, you know, I can talk yeah. about it briefly. It's not, I don't think I shared with this with Edward, but I have RV data from uh, the famous remote viewer from the 70s, Pat Price, who, you know. Oh, really? You know, he, yeah, he did some amazing stuff. And he also, you know, he that was then poached from SRI to the CIA. And then within a matter of weeks, he died from a heart attack, which some mm-hmm. people, you know, say was from nefarious ways, which makes sense because, you know, he was doing some very dodgy stuff involving the Russians and Scientology. But that's a different story. Mm-hmm. Back in the 70s, Pat Price did a 40 plus page remote viewing session that's never been publicly released that I manage and several others managed to get a copy of how put off who we all know is very invested in the disclosure project as well. And in that document, Pat Price way back in 72, just decided to sit down one day and see what the UFOs were that were, you know, allegedly in the papers and stuff. And he did 40 mm-hmm. odd pages of investigating them of their bases on earth, their agendas, all kinds of stuff. But he details in that document that there was, some kind of conflict between at least two of the races going on in that document. So there is remote viewing evidence going way back to 1972 that kind of details that kind of conflict. Are these the four bases like Mount Zeal and the Mount Hayes? The four bases are mentioned in the document. Yeah. And And a lot more detail as well. Mm -hmm. And And I think the one of the reasons why it hasn't been released so far we are going to, we are, me and free researchers are going to release it in the new year. But I think the reason why it hasn't been met and released so far by Harry Putoff and a, the handful of people that had it was mm-hmm. that it does mention that every facet of human society and it details which ones, you know, financial, banks, military, science, religion. And again, this is all from Pat Price. He details all those levels of human society that have been infiltrated by non-humans and that they've been working on a plan to set us against each other at every level of society so that we're so invested in looking at that that we're not looking at what they're doing to us. Mm. And because he mentions every level of society, like science, financial, education, I think the reason why it wasn't released is because he mentions heads of departments that you could essentially go back and look at these and then essentially dox those people as being some kind of in some kind of infiltration with non-human intelligence in some way. So I think that's the reason why this document has never been made public. Well, probably because they weren't sure either. They absolutely know, yes. just suspected. Yes. And you know, some of the stuff now, all these years later, because we're talking, what was it, 50, nearly 60 years later, is starting to make more sense, especially in light of all the disclosure and all the new stuff that's coming out. But again, in this document, 
speculation, but you know, we are talking about what was one of the best remote viewers on the planet. At the yeah, time. yeah, in history, right? Yeah. Well, at least whatever in the history, the brief history of remote. Like Good enough remotes. for the CIA to poach him. Uh, yeah, and God knows if he died of natural causes or not. Yep. I know he freaked out the NSA when he found that facility in West Virginia. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He was supposed to be remote viewing like some shack, some ranch yeah. house. And because it was so energetic, yeah. he started finding like Project Q ball and like all these. Yeah. Yeah. He freaked, he freaked out the yeah. NSA big and, time. And we do know that, you know, the code words he picked up from that facility that were, you know, code words on documents in a filing cabinet were right. real. So we know that, right. you know, he, he has a really right. credible track record. So when you look at this 48 page document where he's detailing, which parts of human society have been infiltrated in he essentially names the people that are doing this. It's and not yeah, only that, I, Edward, Edward, if you, you got to read about this guy, I mean, this guy was unbelievable. Like he would find stuff. I'm, I'm he was, familiar with Pat Price. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was, are you familiar with the story though, about the projects and stuff like that? I know enough to know the, where I like, okay, maybe he's, you know, let's. I have my own way of processing information about Pat Price. The time, the mid seventies, the Scientology. They're yeah. a UFO yeah. group, and there wasn't a lot of groups to hang around with back in the seventies that were talking about interesting things. So, if you found an interesting group, they're probably talking about UFO. I mean, I have my own way of. Oh, we we could know. go down a rabbit hole of that because you have yeah. you know you have you have L. Ron Hubbard. Who's tied to Jack Parsons? Yeah. Who's tied to Alistair yeah. Crowley? Alistair Crowley and, yeah. Yeah. Like, there's, yeah, there's, there's, you go down a rabbit hole in that. Like, if you yeah, start but, connecting the dots in this stuff, yeah. it gets really, it gets But as far as remote viewing goes, yeah, I'm familiar with Pat Price. He was one of the early guys that was a catalyst for the military's work. Basically, in my opinion, we're, we're sitting here talking to you because, partly because of Pat Price. Yeah. So yeah. I, I got a hand, hats off to him, hats off to, Ingo and, and Joe McMonagall and all the guys that made it help put off who lives right down the street. All those guys. I got a hats off. Whether or not I, my opinion on the UFO thing is irrelevant, we're talking here partly because of those guys. And I thank yeah, them yeah. for it. Okay. So, I mean, you just laid the bombshell down to us. Like, what else was in this document? Well, I. I can't talk about all of it right now, as I said, yeah, but I, it's, and I don't even know how much we're going to release. Cause you know, I, we, you know, through future forecasting as well, we like to, I think we discussed this. We like to be very ethical in what we do. And I'm worried that releasing the document might damage some of the disclosure stuff, but I can say what some of the stuff, like, for example, there is a page where Pat sits down one day and says, kind of says, says, oh, I'll, see what's going on what's going on in the bermuda triangle you know what's the mystery with that and then he details looking at a plane event in the bermuda triangle and he mm -hmm. details about what they do to the plane and what they also do to the occupants at the plane and why they do that stuff so there's details like that and i have to be honest you know it's essentially the farming and murdering of humans for their own research Mm -hmm. Again, this is remote viewing data, so we don't know how to validify it. So I want to put that out there. But you know, bearing in mind the person that's doing this is you know the is Pat Price from Legend. Yeah, I think that's one of the delicate items of disclosure. There's two, right? There's the abduction phenomena, and then there's the one that nobody even in the mainstream community that follows this stuff like they they won't touch it they rarely discuss it but this is the human mutilation yep. stuff so there might be some faction that does things like that all, right. all i can say right i now mean is, was that the sense you got that it was all, it all i can say right all, now is like a, yeah, yeah that's what pat price detailed was happening by at least one set of these non-humans in 1972 which no one was talking about back then. And it's only now that people talk about it. And as you just said, no one in mainstream circles talks about it. It's only a few people that uh, I've researched it, so I know about it. There's, yes. Leo Springfield may have 
covered an incident in Vietnam where they encountered some greys and there was, I don't know if it was a firefight. Again, I, I'm not, I can't validate this at all, yeah. right? It could just be a, an old wives tale, but they found, I think body parts on the, yes. Allegedly, on the yes. Yeah. Yeah. Allegedly. Right. And there, there are Again, other, Leo Springfield yeah. reported this so you can look at that yeah. independently. And, and I have to, I have to be more. honest. In 1989, I started getting into UFO research way before I did remote viewing. And in, I think, 1991, in the UK, and this you can find, you can actually find details of this on Reddit as well. In 1991, I accidentally, in my UFO research in the UK here, got mixed up in a case talking to an ex SAS guy uh, who mm -hmm. was interviewed by a colleague of mine who claimed that he was on crash retrievals clearing up the aftermaths of what happened to the humans that have been damaged. So I have some personal history in being involved in some of this stuff. And it got so bad back then that someone's house burnt down and I was like, I, that was it. I was like, I was like, right, that's well, it. No, no more. Do you, do you know research. Frank Milburn? Uh, sorry, Milburn. I keep I screwed up his name. Sorry, Frank. No, no, I don't think so. So Frank Milburn is a former British military intelligence guy, you know, I think he served enlisted with the paras. He's very, he's very, very proud of that. And very, he's, you could feel the fire in his heart about that. Anyway, <laughs> he alleges that he knows someone personally who organized one of these crash retrieval mm -hmm. events in, I believe it was the UK, but I, you know, either the UK or Europe, but, Again, the someone told him this, right? So it's not his story, but yeah. his story is that this is what was relayed to him and he trusted the individual. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think the U.S. is the only, I think the Russians probably have some of this stuff, the Chinese do. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that there are other countries that have them too. And Absolutely. Just yeah. 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 But as I said, you know, I can't prove any of this, but it's all very interesting at this stage. Yeah. When do you think, because you could also redact the names, right? You could just do a photocopy it or copy it. And then the then name, you have to be careful with that though, because people are using AI. To, yeah. The names uh, of the people names. aren't in there, but you know, he like, he will like say, okay, the president of this university in the U S at this date mm. um, is infiltrated. And, you know, you have to, there's a certain amount of interpretation of his RV data as well, because, and I need to discuss this, but in how we present this with the other researchers, because I don't know what he means by these compromised people. One of the people's interpretation is that the people in those positions aren't all human anymore. It, that's their interpretation of it. I don't know what it means at, the, at this stage, what he's exactly implying when he's saying these people are working with non-humans. But it sounds like you said they aren't human anymore. Well, that, that's what one of the research, uh, and that's why I need to discuss why the other researcher believes. I mean, you know, and I'll, I'll just use the word that they're hybrid, that they're not completely, these people are, you know, they are, Compromise, not compromise. Compromise is not the right word. Yeah, that they're not entirely human, and they are working for an agenda of. of these did, did you get the sense that they were never entirely human, or that that? Yeah, I don't think that's determined in the RV data. Again, it's a, it's forty eight pages, but you know, as I said, you know, and he li he literally lists education. You know, ten places that have been infiltrated science 10 pages defense industry religion so it's easy knowing that he did this in 72 73 to look at who he who you know this person in this university go on the internet and find out who that was and then right but so you know we're we're a bit careful at this stage of how much do we release you know because we don't want anyone to be like doxing people on the internet and saying oh yeah you, you just have to go through with like a black marker yeah. And yeah. like carefully, can somebody? But the rest, the rest of the information out. could probably be released. And he goes very in depth, as you know, into the bases. But he also talks about these warring races 
And he also talks about the Bermuda thing, as I said, about them using this laser technology that disintegrates the craft, but also before it disintegrates craft, it allows them to abduct and essentially murder it. And not all, in all cases, all right. he used the word murder and he used the word take humans for their own medical benefits and stuff like that as well. So there's all this kind of stuff in there. Okay. Have you seen the MH370 video? I have to ask this. I don't want to go too. I have. And (laughs) I also tasked Edward and the rest of the remote viewing team again on a mystery target to work MH370. And they got amazing data on that blindly as well. All right. Can you say more? All right, Daz, you keep talking. I'm going to look up that session. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I was the tasker on it. Yeah, I, yeah, again, I don't work it as a viewer. I task you guys to work it blindly. You all had vehicles in the air having some kind of energy event situation. I can't remember for the life of me, though, if we decided it was more esoteric or if it was more, you know, something to do with the aircraft itself having some kind of damage or anything like that. I have the feeling, if again, because we've done too much of these stuff that I forget. I had the vague feeling that it was more esoteric in nature that we that we picked up on that one. Okay, I found the session. Let me take a look at mine here. Yeah, I had got. Oh man, <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Because we we don't even. No, I, I saw that. Video. I saw that video with the things you know, with the orbs flying around it which yeah. to me, it looks totally fake. Sorry, but it looks totally fake. Yeah, look, but, I'm not, this, the only but, reason hey, I'm asking. Hey, all right, hang on, hang on, hang on. But that looks like your data though, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, I hate to say it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're only just remembering now, live. Look, I, just, I try I not to get up the session threat- right now. <laughs> I tried not sh- to get dragged into that. Huh? Can you show a page or something? Yeah, I mean, can uh, I don't know how yeah. to. There's a present button on the bottom. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is so funny. See, we don't even remember what we've done, and Edward's like shocked now because he's seen that video recently and now he's remembering his data. This is one of those topics that I didn't want to touch. And then uh, people were just like, you got to do it. You got to do it. I'm like, all right. So I had Ashton on. Yeah, and he presented his case. And at the very beginning, I'm like, I'm not a video expert. I have no, I, I have no clue. I have no clue. But it does seem fishy based on all the stuff that started happening to this yes. guy yeah. with like bots and stuff like that on Reddit, like, you know, creating false consensus and all sorts of stuff. So there's something there, there, but then like, it was like decisively debunked. And then all of a sudden it came back to life because the debunk, they wouldn't sign an affidavit. Like it is wild what's happening with that. So, and I keep getting, questions like hey can you can you talk to some remote viewers to remote view this like this is like what's going on with that sounds like you already did it so yeah yeah i was tasker edward dick and naeem as the viewers all worked it blind and they all have very similar data i got a drawing there's a surface and there's some sparkly things in the sky flying i mean i can can show some of it i can quickly show because like when daz was explaining the bermuda triangle thing like that's exactly what the video looks like and like what I have to be honest, once I heard about the Pat Price document six months ago, I saw it three months ago and read the Bermuda thing, and then that video came out, and I was like, whoa, this video looks just like what Pat Price was talking about and what our viewers were talking about when they did MH370 as well. Here is the video that we made, so I can show you some bits from that. So there was, I think, one of Dick's, sketches that he was going through at the time mm-hmm. talking about the cops is, there bear in mind this is all blind it's on crypto viewing right yeah yeah so and this is yeah here's the dick and he looks like he has some kind of event there and i'll see if i can get to edward here a second yeah there it is <laughs> that's my first page and to be clear, this is the MH370. And when yeah. did you do this? Oh, man. When was that? Six months ago? You might have a date on the phone. Yeah, there's there. a date. There it is. Oh, yeah. it was in the last year. 
11, 11, oh, 11, 11. Whoa, man. Oh, man. Yeah, ah, it's like this is a fly thing. Uh, Did you just say, I, I keep seeing 11, like every time I check my wallet, 11, 11, I keep seeing that. I keep seeing that. Anyway, I'm yeah. just throwing that out there. It doesn't mean anything. And you've got here, you know, you've got here a high energy like fire, a flash effect. Yeah. Yeah. The main thing, what was really cool was like, I, or my main perspective, my anchor in that session was that I was seeing this like debris flake falling down, you know, like that was the whole, that was the whole thing for me, you know? Hmm. Oh, and there's the ship that was looking for it. Go back, go back up. If you could, Jazz. This was the ship that was looking for debris. Something had fall, crashed and fallen, and it was looking for it. And this was was this a blind target when you were looking at this? Oh yeah, all of ours. Yeah, blind. yeah. This was, they're always blind. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and this is. There was a big boom. Wow, I, dude! Wow. I forgot. I forgot all all this. I'm glad you're coming. Did you see the video? You, did you watch the video, Edward? That shows it just like the With flash that, in the sky, and it yeah, it looks totally fake to me. It looks yeah, really look, I but this yeah, was I like, can't. oh yeah. so oh you know what was really cool with this session too was like there was somebody that had like patents and stuff like that that, that needed to be taken out. And apparently part of oh the story my God. is that yeah. there were some patent holders on that plane. Yeah, there were twelve Malaysian scientists and eight Chinese scientists. They were heading or en route to Beijing for connecting flight to some facility that Freescale semiconductor was was building. That's where I perked up because yeah, that's like um, I, I, I think the narrative they're talking about is like ma macro decoherence or something. Like I, I'm not that seems kind of far flung to me, but I do know in 2013 this event happened in 2014. But in 2013, Freescale Semiconductor signed a contract with the DoD to work on or had some development relationship to work on gallium nitride chips right which is a type of transistor you know metal oxide semiconductor it's like it, it, I, I forget what it's called it's like yeah. diffused like shooting, shooting down something like a plane air to ground yeah i i had an element of that somewhere yeah. here in this session yeah i think that's a possible whatever it is, oh, it is the government does not want people looking into this that's the I, only thing yeah. that's clear to me that seems pretty but, clear to us too. Uh, but the gallium nitride is a, a type of semiconductor chemistry that is used in satellite communications, radar systems, you know, the usual oh, stuff that uh, this was interesting yeah. here too, because there were two aspects. I remember talking about this in the debrief. There was like a projectile or a missile being launched to take down the, the plane, but there was mm -hmm. also uh, an element of an explosive that was on it as well. And so it, ba the batteries, the batteries. Yeah. So what it seemed to me what I was in the, I remember in the debrief going, the sense is that if the missile didn't hit, the bomb was going to take one way or another, this thing was going to be taken down. That was my feeling. I talked to another podcaster who knew someone who worked in the FBI. Yeah. Like he was supposed to be on the, yeah. Well, what, he was, was supposed he to be, he knew somebody who was in the FBI at the time who was supposed to get on the flight and his flight was canceled for some oh, one wow. reason or another. He did not make the flight. Yeah. And I, I don't think that was an accident. Uh, Look at that data yeah. there. That line there reminds me of the taking down of an airplane covertly and secretly. And again, this was all blind. Blind. Yeah. 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 That was, yeah, that was one of Daz's. Another one of Daz's. Daz picks great targets, and we don't know what's Daz. You know, we don't. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah, we just get the target idea. That's up there. That video is up there, available. People can go and check out our debrief. Yeah. Is that on crypto viewing or future forecasting? Future for it's all futureforecastinggroup.com yeah. okay. now. The only okay. the only thing left of crypto viewing is the name of the YouTube uh, YouTube's yeah. name. Is that is that because YouTube keeps taking stuff down or what? Probably just because it's uh, there's a lot of videos up there, and yeah. I don't know if you can ch can you change the name on you. I don't know. Um, Not easily, it's, no. yeah. it's still yeah. we're known for that name, but we're future forecasting group now. 
So I think there's a second YouTube, I think, Future Forecasting. Yeah, yeah, yeah we have several. Because we have, we have paranormal viewing as well, where we put some yeah. of our paranormal projects on. Yeah, yeah we got... Sean, seriously, man, we have so much stuff. Just like that Flight 370 thing. It's like, oh, yeah, we did that. It's like... Yeah, I, I think literally by just discussing that, this video will get like a thousand views. I, like people are obsessed with this thing. I don't get it. Like I looked at it. I'm like, yep, government did something. I'll do a quick video and I'm going to move away from this because they do not want people to follow up on it. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, because so it would, it would not look good. Thing. Yep. Yeah, great yeah. target. Great target. And the way Daz right. set it up too, he set it up really great. I think that's probably why we did so good on it. Was Daz set it up as a project so well, and uh, was so clear about what the you know what we were to be looking at and for. I think that's yeah. a big reason why we did so good on it. All right, now now for the folks who are sick and tired of hearing MH three seventy stuff. Uh, going back to Pat Price, when do you? intend to or hope to because i don't know i don't think you have a solid date when do you hope to post some of this stuff and where are you where do you intend to post it i'll probably just chuck it up on my because i have a big remote viewing website so i'll, I'll just chuck it up on there and it will probably be well i'm not going to convene and meet the other researchers until january so if we decide to release it because as i said we don't want to hurt the disclosure things going on it will be probably end of january yeah, of next year, 2024. Yep. And that'll be on, can you just say, just for the audience, your your site so they can keep... Sorry, yeah, it'd be that. on, uh, my website's called remoteviewed.com, and it'd be on there, yeah. Okay. All right, now, at the very beginning, I'll just kind of leave more of the tantalizing details because I could ask you questions about Pat Price all day, and we, you know, we got to wrap this up soon. The last topic I just want to go through is, you mentioned at the very beginning remote viewing a skinwalker ranch does why don't you kind of take us through that really quickly and then bring us home again yeah there was another one i was tasker on for these guys on future forecasting uh edward dick and naeem worked as remote viewers they were blind didn't even know i was tasking it and what i did is i'm an avid fan of what's happened on skinwalker and i've watched the tv series and i took an event where they actually recorded a ufo hovering over a cow that had been mutilated from the mm. TV series. So they had an exact time and date for it. And they also had the film footage of the craft and they also had the, you know, the dying or the dead cow. So I thought that that was really good, solid feedback evidence. And I tasked mm. that whole event to these guys and uh, all three of them drew the uh, craft in the sky, you know, it being an anomalous craft, a UAP type craft. And they also described this really intense energy kind of dimensional portal shifting going on there as well. Any other details that weren't offered by the television show that were kind of interesting? Again, and I'm sorry, I'm, we're vague on this. It, we do so much that I would literally have to open up the uh, and open up the RV and have a look at it. And I think it was one of the ones where they probably did what we like, what we just watched, but they might've even, I think I might've got these guys to do their RV sessions on whiteboard as well. So they're doing it live in front of a camera recorded, you know, on mm. whiteboards as part of the whole process. But again, I'm sorry. I don't know the details because it's like a year or two ago. It's like, it just slipped from my mind. Other than I knew that all three of them described, you know, an anomalous craft as the video kind of displayed. And I think it quite shocked Edward at the time, because as you know, Edward's not into any of this. So when he gets stuff, it's really interesting to see the look on his face. Yeah. All right. So the other, <laughs> the, uh, I love the so session. I got to say, guys, in other words, I love the session, you know, and, there's something. I mean, it's typically it, when I get in a session that I really enjoy, there's some anchor. Like with we were just talking about that 370 thing. There's some anchor in there for me. I call it an anchor. You know, something that's really mm -hmm. there for me. Where you can and get then, feedback. Like you don't. You well, don't just kind of I'm, yeah. Well, I'm experiencing something, and a right. lot of senses are involved. That's what I mean by an anchor for it. And when I'm totally blind, I'm just doing the session. But with this one, I'm in a craft and i'm 
flying and you know heading kind of on a downward towards the surface and it's turning and it's and that was the anchor <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> was me in this experience with whoever this was and went on to kind of get into who i was perceiving it to be which yes is out of my <laughs> realm of things that i enjoy doing Edward, but all I can say is that's what was in this. Like I told Daz, if hey, I man, remember this, it correctly, I just did it. This is what I'm. Didn't you on whiteboard also draw like the windscreen type thing, and you had a little gray alien dude in there as well? Yeah, I did, man. I I did, and I'll I have to say that's what I was experiencing. That's what I put down. That's what we do. This is what I'm experiencing. This is what I'm putting down. I, I got to put my biases aside and just document what I'm experiencing here. So when we did the debrief, it's like that we find out I Daz is the, the guy who put the whole thing together and then showed us the feedback. And the feedback is uh, uh, there's something flying in the sky, <laughs> you know? So it's like, okay, that makes sense. Makes sense to me. You know, that's what we had. That's what I had in my session. If the other guys had their session, something flying in the sky. So then, you know, I kind of went into who might be in flying and in, in thing and it, Hey man, all I can say is that's what came, that's what my session was about, you know. Yeah. And so you actually saw a gray in the well. What was it? Was some, something that seemed non-human in there? You know. Hmm. Uh, will I say it's a gray? I didn't say it was a gray. There, right. there was something that did not seem human. You did we, sketch it though, didn't you? I, if I, I remember did. correctly, yeah, I did yeah. sketch it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what did you sketch? Just describe the sketch. That, that I, I think that's fair. something that looked like, non-human, like large head, big kind eyes, encephalized, yeah. kind of yeah, big yeah. eyes. Yeah. yeah, didn't it? Uh, something that did not seem human to me, which was like, again, the remote viewing, remote viewing at a level where we remote view. Mm-hmm. I don't want to bring in my biases. I don't want to bring in my Correct. fantasies. My right. analytic well. overlay. Like you don't want analytic overlay. Yeah. And now right. you get a big session that's based on five books that I just read. <laughs> we don't do that. That's not what we we want to do. Yeah. You know. So when I go into a target, like I told the guys, I think, and even in the debrief, when I start a session, the last thing out of my mind is I'm going to be drawing remote UFOs. <laughs> you know, I'm just right. not going to automatically go there. And there are a lot of remote viewers who do, you know, though the target is the 7-Eleven on 5th and Main Street and they're drawing 50 UFOs and somehow they're going to try to justify that. Yeah, must be aliens started 7-Eleven. The the video is available on our paranormal viewing channel on YouTube for people to watch for free, the whole video. So and there's Edward doing his, I'm going to put the sign down, but he's there doing his live RV, live on whiteboard. Of what that, that's what happened you know that's all i can say is in that session that's what happened it's captured on video for the whiteboard and you know so i'm not going to go and develop a, a religion around it or say you know follow me i'm the you know right, um, right. just saying that's what happened interesting yeah that's not even I mean, the craft even the craft between the craft that you had and the craft that more viewer that followed you immediately yeah. were almost and there, exactly there's the six, which looks exactly like the feedback photo, the blue sky. Oh, wow. The do you have the image, Daz? Bear with me; it might be on the beginning. There it is. There it is. There. There it is. Oh wow! And just to be clear for the audience who doesn't know anything about remote viewing. None of the folks, you know, you included, Edward, knew what you were doing. You just got six digits, literally just six digits. Tell us what you see. Yeah, a target ID, yeah. I, I do do the number, yeah. number letter combo. Just it doesn't really matter. But it, it's just a random ID. Six alphanumeric characters. Yeah, I, I right? don't know yeah. who's tasking it. I don't know who selected the target. I don't know anything. This just the target. And they're literally randomized. They're semi-randomized they're characters random. that have they're nothing to do with random. the target. Yeah, I mean they're it's they're not like associated with the target. It's not like they're not three U five F six O. And it's not like that, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. No, there's no there's no hints in the target ID. It's just random. You know, it's just it's basically just ready set go. You can just say ready set go if you want. It, 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 okay. it doesn't have any meaning. 
this is just to illustrate that there's the number there that they were using 2403-1121 it means yeah, that's all they get so so four so so eight 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 digits yeah. but they're not grid coordinates right they're not geospatial coordinates they're just a number that corresponds to the target there's that, something yeah i've literally just made up and to be honest because i do it the 2403 i'll probably set this target on the 24th of march so 2403 there right all i'm trying to show is that there's no data in that formulation that corresponds to anything sim like no. you know like a geospatial coordinate with the you know no, it's just no, nothing whatsoever every target has an eight alphanumeric code yeah right and that's it and it's uh, not it, yeah it, yeah, it's um, not like F A for alien, and like there's no, no, no. and there's and no way these ones, these people could know, right? That no way they could know, and on these ones, they don't even know who you know. We don't know when we do these projects who the tasker is. They didn't know that it was me setting it, and that you know, oh, Daz has a disposition towards alien kind of right. They don't know. No one knows. It's all hidden. Yeah. All right. With that, any final words? For the audience about disclosure I'll, I'll throw ed i'll throw ed in because ed just loves this he just eats oh. this stuff up he's just he just it's it's great it's wonderful <laughs> <laughs> again i go to what warner von braun said you know the fake alien invasion will be the final mm-hmm. card they will pull to bring in the, the world government so i keep that in mind Right. Um, so, and that, that's all I'm saying. Even like with whether with Pat Price or with any of the remote viewing stuff, or with UFOs in general, I'm not saying I don't believe in UFOs. Right. I'm saying I don't trust people. <laughs> I don't trust the government. And if the government is coming out and saying yeah, UFOs are real, after all this time of saying they're not real, then mm-hmm. I'm suspicious. Whatever they say, I'm going to be suspicious. And that's all I'm saying. I've had remote viewing sessions that I feel really good about that that portray an ancient civilization that is being gifted knowledge from off earth. I'm okay Mm -hmm. with that. You know, I don't have any problem with that as a very strong probability. I am totally cool with it. I am okay if I go out and I see a UFO or UAP and I make contact with it. I won't be surprised going, oh, I didn't believe these things were real. I'm not that guy. Right. I'm just saying if the government is saying it, they're probably lying. That's all I'm saying. Or alternatively, they could be telling the truth. But a question I would have is why now? Yeah. If it's true, why now? Yeah. In which case, and the answer to that could be that the credibility has been so shot that they're trying to reestablish it or it could be there's other bad things that are going to happen that they know are coming and why not why not just throw this out and the other thing is that and you know when i think about these things is that within the context of this subject as a reality mm-hmm. there's probably 99% of it that we really that we can't even comprehend right we don't we don't understand you know we're we're thinking right metal discs are going to fly, you know, across the galaxy. Maybe they can. I'm not saying they can't, but that yeah, it could be like a, a five dimensional physical species, right. right. That we can't even comprehend. Right. Yeah. Like a hyper uh, species, you call it, you know, hyper dimensional yeah. species. Who knows? Yeah. Daz. I think next year is going to be key, but I don't know why i say that it's just my spidey sense says that next year could be very important for uh, some kind of solid tactile thing to do with the disclosure thing but also like you said i worry about the why uh, and the timing of it that more than anything especially in light of all the rv data and the other things that are indicating something big on the horizon so that's what worries me more really but yeah, I think disclosure-wise, we're, we are virtually there. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. As always, 
an absolute pleasure. And we'll have to come back sometime in the yeah. near future to see if, if I mean, I, I feel it's pretty morbid that we're kind of you know, like <laughs> speculating on something really bad to happen in April. But I tell you what, hopefully, Sean, we'll and we say this all the time in our debriefs when we're doing our monthly events or stuff like that. We don't want to be right about it. We're like, man, I hope I'm wrong. You know, right. We aren't going to be yeah. pounding our chests. We might just be yeah. trying to find internet access at that point, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and before we go, guys, you know, the, I just had a look on our YouTube, on our paranormal channel. It said paranormal viewing. Um, there's the MH370 video. There's Phoenix Lights. There's Skinwalker. There's loads of artwork on there in full that we've released in public for people to have so they don't have to pay any of the money. So they can watch it all for free. I want to take a barometer of this. Like, how many hits does the, how many views does that video have? The, um, not too many. MH370, around about nine and a half thousand. We're pretty no, much, pretty, black, that's, we're pretty blacklisted on, on uh, you know, it's hard to find our stuff, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's still, it's still, still pretty, pretty decent. Yeah. I think after this, you'll probably get a few more hits on that one, at least. <laughs> because people have been asking me about it. That people yeah. have been asking me about it. And I'm like, I, I, you know, I'm not going to, if I'm going to ask them to do stuff, I'm going to ask them to do stuff on like crash retrieval stuff. I'm not going to yeah. waste their effort or something like that, but it turns out you already did it. it so. Yeah. It's, it's on there. So yeah. And it's free. You know, we usually release stuff for our subscribers and then like a year or so later, we, we give it for people for free. And that looks like that's what we've done. And you know, there's even another one, there's other stuff on there as well from other sources, but you know, there's lots of crypto viewing, future forecasting group stuff on there that people can watch for free. All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen. As always, a pleasure, and we'll talk soon. Yeah. See Thanks you again. So much. Thanks, Sean. If you enjoyed today's video, please hit like and subscribe, and also hit the notification button so you can be notified whenever I post new content. Thank you. Now, if you're enjoying the channel and you want to support it, there are several things you can do. In fact, there are five things you can do. The first thing you can do is just buy my books. I got plenty of books out in the market right now, and I would prefer that folks buy a book rather than giving me direct support because they get something out of it. They have a real tangible product. The second way you can support me is by becoming a member on YouTube or becoming a patron on Patreon. And just go to either site and it'll explain everything. third way you can support the channel is by checking out my merch site, which is here. There's plenty of stuff that you could get to support the channel. And I'd appreciate that you, you have it and can wear it. Not only do you help support the channel, but you also help promote the channel. And I appreciate that. The fourth way that you can support the channel, and this is really easy, is anytime you want to buy something on Amazon, literally just go to the description below and click on any link, literally any link. The channel gets a cut of that, and it costs you no extra money. You just go through the link as I'm part of the Amazon Affiliates Club. The fifth and final way you can support the channel is through donations. Now, I don't prefer these because it's more of an expression of gratitude, but you don't really get anything out of it as a subscriber to the channel. However, if you decide to do these options, there's two options. There's Buy Me a Coffee, which is a separate site, and there's also you can go through YouTube with either a Super Chat, a Super Sticker, or a Super Thanks. Again, I prefer Buy Me A Coffee because that organization takes less money than Amazon does. But either way, I appreciate any support you are willing to give the channel. So thank you very much and keep watching. I really appreciate it.